podcast that provides an exclusive backstage look of the makeup industry. Join me each week as we discuss life as a makeup artist, business, beauty tips, and share dialogue with the top professionals in our industry. Collectively, we'll unpack the highs and lows, laugh, and grow together. And I'm your host, Brittany Rogers. I'm a 10-year freelance beauty editorial, TV, and film makeup artist. This is your official backstage pass. I'm taking you behind the scenes. Welcome to BTS with Brit. Hey, friends. How are you guys doing? Are you doing great? Are you having an amazing week? Because I am. But in all honesty, though, y'all, I'm having a great week. But between daylight savings and then coming back from L.A. being on, what is that? West Coast time to now back on East Coast time. Your girl is tired. Okay, I am tired, but we working through this. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I'm so excited to talk to you guys today. Can I just say recording is like one of my favorite things to do throughout the week. And hopefully coming soon, we'll have some videos or something like that because I just really want to interact with you guys. Maybe we'll do a live episode. I don't know. Send me a DM and let me know what you think. But anyway, last week we talked about taxes and all the things basically that you need to know about taxes as a freelancer. And since we're going into the month of April, which is financial literacy month, and it's also tax season, I thought it would be cool to keep the money conversation going. So today we're going to discuss contracts, deal memos, deposits, disclaimers, all of that stuff. We're basically talking about how to get paid and protect your coins, okay? And we're also going to discuss a few key pieces of information that you need to include in your contracts. Now, before we get started, I got to throw a disclaimer out there. I am not a lawyer. I don't work in anything legal. So I'm just giving you my advice based off of what's been working for me throughout the years. Now, I will say when you make a contract, you don't need a lawyer to create a contract. However, if you do make one for your business, I would say to contact a lawyer and have them review it. It is going to cost a cute coin, but once you have them review it one time, you can use this contract for years to come. And remember, The legal requirements are different in every state, so be sure to check out what are the requirements when it comes to contracts, laws, and regulations in your state. So, all right, guys, grab your notebooks, grab your edges and your pens, (laughs) because I'm dropping gems. So first, let's talk about a contract. So by definition, a contract is a written or spoken agreement concerning employment or sales that is intended to be enforceable by law. First of all, never, ever, ever go off of a spoken agreement because words can get mumbled and jumbled and tumbled. So always make sure you have it down in writing. Now, I personally use a contract for the following events weddings of course weddings always weddings event clients meaning it's a big group of people Um, I don't use contracts for like small everyday client work and I'll talk about that later in the episode 
and sometimes photo shoots. Now, sometimes I'll use a contract for a photo shoot or a deal memo. It all depends on the job and what is required, but we'll talk later about that too when I get to the deal memo section of the podcast. So I'm going to walk you guys through a contract and we're going to talk about the things that you must have on your contract, whether it's for a wedding, events, photo shoots. This is what needs to be on your contract. So the first thing is you always want to include your name, the name of your brand and the client because you have to make sure that you put that this contract is made between me, Brittany Rogers of Brittany Rogers Artistry and John Doe for the following services. And then next I go into what the event is for and the date of the event. Next, I will put all of my payment terms, installment terms, and credit card authorization terms on the contract. So let me break down the payment terms for you. So on my contract, I first have the amount or I should say the deposit amount that is owed. And then I will put the remaining balance and when it's due and how it can be paid. Now, first, I used to use the term deposit, but I was just saying deposit for the sake of the show. But now I call it retainer. And let me explain why. So a deposit, as we all know, is money that a client will put down as the first installment of purchasing a service from you and the balance being, you know, payable later. And the remaining balance is paid up front once the sale is completed. But here's the thing that I've learned. Technically, a deposit by law is supposed to be refundable if the client requests the money back or if they decide to cancel the appointment. Even if you put non-refundable, Ask me how I know because I got into a situation like this. So I had somebody reach out to me for makeup services. They paid the deposit and she requested the deposit back because we went into quarantine and she no longer needed the service. Now on my terms and conditions, um, and I'll talk about that a little later when I talk about everyday clients, I have that you know, the deposit is non-refundable. But she came back and she made an argument about deposits being non-refundable. So your girl had to seek legal advice to find out if this was true. And it ended up being true. So I had to refund her the money. So what I learned from that was it's always best to use retainer instead of deposit or say a non-refundable payment. So use payment or retainer. At this point, I always use payment. A retainer is basically pretty much the same thing. A retainer is a fee that's paid in advance to hold your date, you know, like a wedding. But like I said, a deposit is technically supposed to be returned once the service is completed or if it's canceled. Whereas the terms and conditions behind a refund when it comes to a retainer is more strict. Hopefully that makes sense and the math is mathing for you guys (laughs) because I'm no lawyer, but I'm trying to explain it the best that I can. So when it comes to the deposit part of the contract, I will put the term payment, a non-refundable payment or a retainer. But 
to be safe, I just use payment now. And while we're still on payments, I also have an option when it comes to big weddings where I allow installments. So I will list that on there. Um, so like on one of my contracts, it says a balance shall be paid in four installments of blank. And then I will put the dates when the payments are due and how much is due, which leads me into my next topic, credit card authorization. So anytime that you take installments from a client, um, I use Square as my service. So anytime that I take installments from a client, I put their credit card on file and I allow them to pick a set date for whatever, let's say it's six months or three months. I allow them to pick a date. So let's say they want to do the 15th of every month where their card will be charged this amount of money. And then you get into the terms and conditions, what happens if the payment is late and so forth. So I do include that on the contract and I have an extra, I have a separate section of the contract where they sign and authorize that their card can be charged for a recurring payment on the following dates. Okay, so so far we know that you need to include your name, your client's name, the date, your payment terms, and then you wanna get into the wedding terms or event terms, meaning what does this payment include? So let's say for a wedding, you may have six party members, each member is getting lashes, you include your travel rate, your after ceremony extended touch-ups, a touch-up kit, a second artist, and a bridal consultation. Now, it doesn't have to be all of that, but let's just say that's what's included in your terms. Or if it's an event, you can list your terms. So this payment includes six people with faux lashes, travel rate, touch-up, you know, the same thing. One thing that I always include in my contracts, too, is letting the client know up front that if one of their bridesmaids is no longer participating in their wedding or isn't present the day of, a refund will not be given. Listen, I put this in here because, again, this is something that I have experienced. Somebody has dropped out the wedding, so they're like, oh, well, she's not here anymore, so we want to know, can we get a refund for her? Nope. No, 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 no. I do not allow refunds for somebody not showing up especially if i've already packed and got an assistant to accommodate however many people that you've put on this list i've blocked out time to do this person and then they don't show up it's not about okay well they're not here to put makeup on them but you also have to consider your time so no I make sure that I put a refund will not be given. However, I do allow them to replace the person with somebody else if they notify me within 24 hours. Another thing that I include on my contract is I do not allow extra people on the day of your wedding or your event. That's something else that gets super messy. Let's say you're there, you're fin you finish everybody early. And then now here's the auntie, the cousin, or one of the bridesmaids. Or if it's not a wedding, you're at an event. One of the friends who decided that she didn't want to get her makeup done, she don't wear makeup, she don't like it. Um, she wanted to go to her friend, and now she notices, like, wow, my face doesn't look like everybody else. Do you have time to fit me in? I don't. Nope. <laughs> I don't. No shade. I don't want to be rude, but I don't. And here's why. 
it just cuts into your time. Let's say you have another client after this, or even if you don't and you just set aside this time to work and you wanted to have the rest of the day to yourself, that's cutting out into your personal time or into your clients. You have to stick to your schedule. And then two, that ends up getting messy when it comes to like payments and everything else. I did that at a wedding years ago. Here I am telling one of my other crazy stories. Y'all, I have experienced so much. I really had to go through the struggle and learn so that I can be here today and tell you guys about all the mess so you wouldn't have to go through it. But I did a wedding once. I finished a wedding party early. I had an assistant with me. Now there's all the cousins and aunties who said they weren't getting the makeup done and now they changed their mind. So I said, sure, no problem. We can take you all. It's like four or five of them. And the bad part was I accepted all cash from them. You know, we it, we were in a rush. It was last minute. So we just got the cash, did what we had to do, and left. A few days later, one of the aunties decided to call me and say, well, um, such and such overpaid you, and she gave you this much, and we just realized it was this, and um, there were no receipts for it. And it was horrible. Like, this was, like, very early on in my career, and I end up again having to refund them because I could not prove whether or not they had gave me that amount and it just got really messy. It, it was a mess. So I just ended up refunding them instead of going through the whole back and forth. And it honestly was not a lot. I think they were like, she paid you $40 extra than what it was supposed to be. But still. It was a great learning lesson because I learned that it gets messy when you decide to take somebody last minute spot on. So don't do that. Next, you always want to include your cancellation policy in your contract. If it's an event, if they decide to cancel, how many days they need to tell you in advance. If they do cancel, are they going to lose all their payments or will it be credited towards another date? Um, what happens if there are no show? All of that needs to be listed in your cancellation policy. Next, I get into medical because that's another big thing. A lot of times when it comes to bridal parties or women who are having events, they may forget to let you know that they're allergic to something. You get there, you're doing the makeup, and then they break out. So I create a section on my contracts where they can let me know if the person who's hiring me or anybody included in their party has any uh, medical conditions or any makeup allergies, I ask them to please list this in the section on the contract. And then I put that the artist will not be held accountable for any allergic reactions or complications for makeup applications if the allergies are not addressed in the above section or if I'm not told when I'm there. Next, you always want to have a section for wedding day preparations or event preparations. So this is basically saying where will it take place? I asked for the location or the name of the hotel that the client wants to get dressed at. And then I asked, you know, the date, the time and the location of the wedding, the time for the artist to arrive, makeup, what time they would like makeup to start by. And usually I've already had a conversation with the bride or the person who's hiring me for the event to find out this stuff. And I will go back in and fill this in. 
And then I always ask, what time does the bride or what time do you and your friends for your event need to be ready? So I can make sure if they say we need to be all out the door at 12 in Brittany time, you're going to be ready at 11 for real. My goal is always to have my clients ready at least an hour before their asking time because you never know what can happen in between then. Sometimes things go wrong. Somebody may be late. Somebody may be having a meltdown. There's so many things that take place. You just want to leave space and room for last minute things that you may need to handle because anything can happen in between that time. And lastly, when it comes to my contracts, I always ask for the names of the bridal party or event party members. And I just have them listed. I leave space for about 12 people and I just have them listed out because later I will make a timeline that I will send to the client and have each person's name, number, and time that they're supposed to come to the hotel room or wherever we may be to get their makeup done. And then lastly, I have a section where it says I blank, which will be the client, agree to abide by the terms and conditions on the above contract we both sign. And I have their name, their phone number, email address, all of their contact information, I even have their home address because I like to send my clients cards and anniversary gifts. So I always ask them to include their address. So that is everything about contracts. Next, we're going to go into how I handle working with everyday clients. Now, when it comes to working with my everyday clients, like I was saying before, I don't send them a full-on contract, but I do include the terms and conditions or the service agreement in the link that I would send where they make their deposit or retainer payment. Now, terms of service is a legal agreement between the artist and the client, and the client must agree to abide in order to receive the service. Now, this usually includes kind of like a contract, name, date, cancellation, and late fee, your service policy. So let's say, for example, one of your policies is you don't allow children in your studio. That will be listed in your terms and conditions. So once the client reviews the terms and conditions and pays their deposit, I'm just calling it deposit for the sake of the podcast, guys. I will send them a confirmation email that also has a copy of the terms and conditions and a receipt with their payments. All right, and lastly, we are going to talk about deal memos. So a deal memo is pretty much like a precursor to a full contract, which documents legal agreements between you and the production company that you're working with. Now, like I was saying before, these are used mainly for film and sometimes photo shoots. So in my demo mode, the first thing that I always include is what project am I working on? I need the name of the project, the client. So let's say the name of the movie is Another Sad Love Song and the client is Tony Braxton. And then we'll go into what is the client job number? Now, if you guys are familiar with filling out invoices, whenever you work in production, when you go back to fill out an invoice, you have to put the job title and the number on it. So here, the client will put the number. So let's say the number is 546731. Next, we go into who is the contact person. So this means 
if I need to get in contact with somebody on my way to set, like who is my main point of contact? So that person is included on there and their job title. But this is information that you will also get later on your call sheet. Then I have listed what are the number of shoot days? I need to know how many days we're going to be on set and what are the following dates? I also have on my deal memo, are there any prep days, travel days, and weather days? So a prep day means that if you have a really big job and let's say it requires like special effects or some type of special makeup and you have to make like a prosthetic for it or it just takes a lot of preparation, they will give you maybe two to three prep days depending on how much work needs to be done prior to set just to save time when you're on the job. So I put, are there any prep days, how many days, and the dates. Remember, you get paid for prep days. If you are going out of town for a job, of course, you have to travel. And that cuts into your time. So production does cover the days where you have to travel. That's considered like a whole day of work in production. So I have on my demo, if we're going to have travel days, how many? And then weather days. Weather days are in the event that we are working outside and the weather is super bad and we can't work. Are there any days that we have scheduled for pickups? So to pick up the shot or to reshoot it. Next on my demo, I have listed rates, terms, and conditions. This is very important that you list this on your demo. This talks about what is your day rate. And if you're working a half a day, a full day, and how many hours does your day rate include? So if your day rate is $600, how many hours is included in that six? Are you only going to work 10, 12, or eight? It's up to you what you consider to be a full day. And then after that, you always want to include your overtime rate. So in the event that you guys go over, let's say eight hours is what you have listed on your deal memo, how much are you going to charge per hour after that eight? Next, you want to list what is your travel rate, your assistant rate, if you have an assistant, and then your expenses. So if you had to buy something special just for this production, on the expenses line is where you list what it was and how much it's going to cost. So the next thing you want to include is your cancellation policy. So this means that if production decides to cancel, how are you going to cover yourself? On my demos, I have if the shoot dates are canceled or need to be rescheduled, please notify me within 24 hours of schedule time. If I'm not notified, 100% fee will be granted, meaning that whatever we have listed in the rates, terms, and conditions, that check is still owed to me. Next, you always want to make sure that you include your invoice payment terms on your deal memo. This is like the most important part outside of knowing where you're going, what you're doing, and how many days that you're going to be working. Now, we talked about this before. When you work in production, not all jobs will pay you on receipt, meaning that you're going to get paid right then and there. Most jobs are net 10, 30, 15, 60, and sometimes 90. So 
on my invoice section of the deal memo, I list when the invoice is due. So I'll put something like, the invoice granted from this job assignment is due and payable in net 10 or net 15 or whatever it may be. And then I also include that if the payment has not been received after net 10 days or net 30 or net 15, whatever you guys agree on, a new invoice will be generated with a 10% late fee per day. Per day will be added to the unpaid balance and must be paid electronically. I personally only do electronic payments now just because some production companies will send you a check or they will cut the check late way after the 30 days. And when you contact them, they'll say something like, oh, it's in the mail, it's late. And then you get the check and it's dated for like two days ago after you had this conversation with them. So I only do electronic payments. I use QuickBooks for all my payments. I love QuickBooks because I can see when it was received, when it was open, if they have gone in the invoice and looked at it, if it's processing and everything is electronic. And in the event that we go over the net that we agreed on, my QuickBooks will automatically update the invoice with the late fee. So when they go back in the invoice, it's going to have an updated amount. And then lastly is the authorization section. This is the section where whoever you're making the agreement with will sign and date and add their title and their signature. I let them know your signature below serves as an agreement in regards to the number of days, the dates, and the fee. Once you've signed, you agree to the terms and conditions, please sign below and email a copy too. And then I have my email listed. Oh, one other thing that I have on my deal memo, I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but I always put if editorial or in the credits, my name must read Brittany Rogers. And I make sure it's highlighted because some people spell my name wrong and they spell it B-R-I-T. T-N-E-Y-R-O-D-G-E-R-S. I'm not sure who that is, but it's not me. <laughs> and I want to make sure that I am credited correctly. So I include that on my deal memo. Now, if you guys want to see my deal memo or a copy of my contract, don't be afraid to ask. Hit me up in DMs and say, hey, sis, I listened to the episode and I'm a visual person. And I just wanted to know, could I see a copy? I got you. So let's move into last looks. Omatic, I feel like we need like a theme song or some music for last looks or something. We need, we need, Omatic, could you make that happen for us? We need something for last looks. It needs, it needs something. <laughs> now, if you're new here to the podcast and you're like, girl, what is last looks? Last looks is a section of the podcast where I share like a quick little TED talk before we wrap out for the day. Now, if you never heard of the term last looks, last looks is a production term. It means that before the production starts rolling or filming this scene, this is the hair and makeup team's time to jump in and touch up the talent. So before we roll out for today, here is my last look. My last look is you need to have the audacity in 2021 because they handing out audacity and you need to have it. And let me explain why. 
So if you guys didn't know, I am a bookworm. I love to read. I will spend hours reading. I listen to audiobooks. I'm that girl. I'm a nerd. I love to read. And I'm currently reading two books. One is called The Artist Way. And the second one is called Daring to Lead by Brene Brown. But let's talk about The Artist Way first. So The Artist Way is a workbook that helps you lock into your highest creative self. It's a 12-week exercise that gives you like thought pieces and brain exercises to do weekly. And the book Daring to Lead talks about tapping into your emotions and being vulnerable in order to create because we know when you're creating like the great Erica Badu says I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my we get so attached to our work so much that we don't want to put it out there sometimes because we're afraid of what other people may think or how they will judge our work you know our work is our baby but anyway During this week of exercise in the artist way, we covered negative thoughts and negative thought patterns. And one of the things that stuck out to me was a shadow artist. A shadow artist is basically when you're producing at a lower version of who you can be. So let's say you're doing makeup, but you know you're qualified to work with a bigger team, but you really don't believe in yourself or think that you're that good. So you stick with a more smaller team. And when you're a shadow artist, you tend to think that the success that you see happening for others isn't obtainable for you. And shadow artists often say things to themselves like, you know what, I could be doing that and I could be doing it better if I had the resources. Or let's say, you know, you're on YouTube and you're watching a video and you know daggone well that this YouTuber you're watching is doing this makeup horribly. Like it looks, the, the face don't match the neck but they have half a million followers and you're just saying, I could do that way better. In the book, they call that critics. But here's the thing, the difference between where you are now and where you wanna be or the people that are in the position that you wanna be in is that they had the audacity to show up. They showed up scared, They showed up afraid of what others may think of their work, but they still put it out there. They showed up uncomfortable. They showed up with all the emotions, but they had the audacity, as the book says, to believe in themselves, to produce, to not be afraid if they were right or if they were wrong. They just did it. They just did it like Nike. (laughs) No matter what anybody else had to say or how they felt about it or even if they were going to be judged for it and in the book daring to lead by Brene Brown she says we have to have courage over comfort and push out our ideas not be afraid to show up so all 2021 we're going to have the audacity we're going to walk in our we're going to walk in authority and show up as who God told us we can be and that's on Mary had a little lamb All right, y'all, as always, I thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode of BTS with Brit. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review or a comment down below. Now, the party doesn't stop here. We keep the conversation going on Instagram. So be sure to follow us at BTS with Brit on Instagram or follow my makeup page underscore Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y, Rogers. My DMs are always open. 
I'm here for you guys. Ask any question that you want. Slide up in my DMs and maybe we can talk about your question on last looks. All right, guys. So be safe. Wear your mask. The Rona is out in the streets, but hopefully we'll be back to breathe the normal air soon. Take care of your family, hug your loved ones, and sanitize your makeup. Bye.